All right. Well, it is good to be with you today. I'm so glad you're here for our football Sunday event. Uh, I'm going to get into the word in just a couple moments, but let me just tell you, like the rest of this service, the message is going to be a little different today because I'm tag teaming with some, uh, some famous faces from the NFL. Tony Dungy and Benjamin Watson are going to be helping me preach this message as well as a couple of players in the NFL. And I just want to encourage you right here as we get ready to start that uh, I believe God's going to speak to us today. I really do. I, and whether it comes through, through my voice or uh, through something that's already happened in the time of worship or on a video screen, uh, I do believe this. If we'll open up, God will show up. And I, I, I'm glad you're here. I just want to start this message with one more time of prayer to just kind of center our hearts and our minds on these moments together. So even if you got a, a mouthful of popcorn or sticky fingers from cotton candy, hey, God can move anyway. Let's pray together, all right? Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to, to hear your word. God, your word says we overcome the enemy by the word of our testimony and by the blood of the lamb. So we thank you, God, that the blood of the lamb, Jesus was slain for our salvation. And today, as we hear these testimonies, and we lean into what the scripture says, God, would you bring victory to your people? In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen. amen. Do you remember where you were last year for the Super Bowl? Yeah, I do. <laughs> Probably at a Super Bowl party, just enjoying other people and standing less than six feet apart. But our world changed in a heartbeat, right? And that's what makes what I'm about to say even more important. In Psalm 16, 8, David gives us words to live by, especially in the middle of the unknown and the uncertain. He says, I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. In our time together today, we'll discover how that truth can be experienced in our own lives. This really is the life we're invited to live. This is what it means to be unshaken. You know, I think the idea or the title of Unshaken is so important for us because how many of you can testify that this last year has had a lot of shaking? Come on. I mean, unless, unless you just crawled out of a hole somewhere, you've probably been shaken in the last year. You've probably dealt with some things that, that rocked your world a little bit or maybe a whole lot of things. And, and here's the reality that, that things that can be shaken will be shaken, but that doesn't change our preferences. We all like stability, Right. I mean, how many of you haven't wanted to get a lifetime warranty on a, like, you know, you're like, I'm kind of in, and they go, lifetime guarantee, oh, hey, money back guarantee, lifetime warranty, I'm in. Studies even show that things will sell more just because they put a guarantee label on the box. People want stability. They want to have things they can count on, And, and the reality is we're at a place right now, even as a culture, as a nation, where we feel like there's a lot of things we can't count on, even things that we thought were certain, things that we thought were foundational. And we're seeing the, the fault lines exposed in our culture. And here's the good news of all of that, that sometimes when we face moments that, that life is shaken, and I experienced one of these moments yesterday as I led a funeral right here in this sanctuary, When people face the unsettling, uncertain moments of life, the unexpected deaths, like the one that we talked about yesterday, it pushes us to dig a little deeper, to find what is unshakable. And the good news today is this. If you'll dig deeper, you can hit bedrock. If you'll dig deeper today, you can find 
something that is solid, something that you can stand on. And so for the next couple minutes, we're going to hear a testimony of a player who learned what it looks like to be unshaken. I want you to watch this testimony from Sam Acho. Our first story comes from NFL linebacker Sam Acho. Sam has had a successful nine-year career in the NFL has become an influential Christian leader, not only in the locker room, but in the world as well. And all along the way, Sam continues to discover a God who is always enough. Freshman year, University of Texas, college campus, Jester Hall, third floor right outside of the elevator. Trevor Walker, that is third string quarterback, just waiting, reading his Bible. And so I stop, and maybe he stopped me and And we just start reading a little bit, talking a little bit. But it was at that point I said, okay, something's different about this guy. He said, if you want to be real about it, let's just be real about it. Let's live out our faith on this campus, on the football team with the guys. And it wasn't just me or him. We had about 10, 15, 20 guys on our team that wanted something more. God just erupted inside of me and I felt like a lion. I felt like I was just a lion in those grounds. The men there had encountered Jesus. It was the last thing I ever would have expected going to a prison. And I still keep in touch with a bunch of those guys today from that prison. I went back the year after, I went back the year after. It doesn't matter if you're black, if you're white, if you're you're in prison, if you're a football player, it doesn't matter who you are, God can restore and redeem. And I saw that with my own eyes. So I had just signed um, a multi-year, multi-million dollar contract in the NFL. I mean, it was like, yeah, we did it, we did it, man. God is good. Oh, everything's going to be okay. And it wasn't. Right around that time, just the seams started to fall apart in my life. My relationship with my wife, Ngazi, blessing, right? I wasn't loving her the way I was called to love her. Even with my kids, I found myself getting angry with them often or being anxious all the time. My parents just seemed like it was just a falling out with every, a lot of people, everyone and everything around me. And I was sitting down at a, at a restaurant in Chicago with one of my buddies. And I finally just got a chance to tell my mother, dude, I'm struggling. I am not doing well at all. And as I'm sharing with him everything that was going on, I'm, I'm sharing and I'm actually, I'm like, I started to cry. And he looks at me and he says, it's really nice to see you, Sam. He said, as long as I've known you, I've never seen this side of you. I've always seen the the, the smile and the, the jerseys, and I've never seen this side of you. But it's good to know that you're human. like, but I just was exhausted. I felt like I was carrying a lot of weight, and my teammate walked in, and he saw me. He says, hey, Acho, are you good? I looked at him and said, you know what? I'm not. He said, I don't know what's going on right now, Sam, but whatever it is, you, you need to let it out. I look at him, and and all of a sudden, now I'm in the locker room now, and the tears start to come. 
He looks at me, he says, hey, Ach, it's nice to see you. So many of us, we get trapped and caught, and, and God's like, no, I see you. Let me move this weight off you. The weight I've been trying to carry was this weight of perfection. Right? I have it all together. I have all the answers. I'm the star. I'm the guy. I'm great. And God's like, I didn't have you to carry that. I want you to get to know me and to spend time with me. That's all I want. I am enough, not you. I am enough. It is so easy to pretend to act like we have it all together and put on our, you know, these figurative masks that we wear and be like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm good. It's so easy. But God is not a God of pretending. God is a God of freedom. The Bible talks about taking up your cross daily and following me. Am I going to take up my cross and be, be real, be authentic? Or am I going to pretend and act like I got it all together and act like I have all the answers? It's a daily decision. It really is a decision we make each and every day. We believe in God, but do we believe in a God that's really enough? You know, Sam's in a professional locker room and he's sitting there and he's got a problem. Somebody recognized that one of his teammates said, hey man, you're okay. And we've all been there. How much courage would it take to say, no, I'm not okay because I'm trying to do this myself and I'm not okay. And that courage comes when we're vulnerable. And for so many of us, we say we trust in God, but we really trust also in our accolades, and our success and what other people say about it. Absolutely, but there's good news, great news. As Sam said, God is not a God of pretending. He doesn't pretend with us, and he doesn't want us to pretend with him. So you want to live a life that doesn't shake when the ground moves? That life happens when we keep our eyes fixed on the God who's so much more than enough. You know, I think a lot of people are afraid of having the exact same experience that Sam Macho had in the locker room. I think that's why a lot of people are even hesitant about coming to church. I, I saw people kind of uncomfortably looking around yesterday at that funeral, and, and you, you can tell, you know, when, when people haven't, you know, ever been in church since the last funeral, and, and there was an uncomfortableness about, you know, wh- where is he going with this? Because I got to be honest, when I preach a funeral, you know, I, I don't want to just celebrate uh, the dead. I want to bring people to life in Christ. And so I shared the gospel yesterday. And, and a lot of us, we, we sit in moments where we feel like that our inside is going to be exposed on the outside and we get nervous. And, and the very thing that we don't want to happen is our weaknesses to be exposed. And, and let's be honest, men, it's probably even harder for us, right? I mean, if somebody, it's Valentine's Day, and you hate this day. Not that you don't love your girlfriend or love your wife, but you feel the pressure to, like, you know, be flowery and show your emotions and, and say things that, you know, you look through all the cards and none of it sounds like you. You would never say any of that, but, you know, you did, you did the right thing, I hope, and you got the card anyway. <clears throat> but we, why? We do that because we, we don't want what's on the inside to be exposed. The reality is we are truly the sons of Adam. We are the sons of Adam. Because Adam, the moment he sinned, the moment he messed up and failed God, what's the first thing he did? He hid. And that's what we do. The moment we feel a little bit of of weakness, insecurity, maybe exposure, our default is to hide. And let me just say this to all of us today. Anonymity, it might be a comfort zone, but it's not the end zone. It's not the goal. 
Anonymity is not the goal for your life. Not if you want to have a satisfying life. Not if you want to have a life that, that is fulfilling and purposeful. Because here's the deal. A life that is really satisfying is a life lived out where you're fully known and fully loved. And how many times have we believed the lie that if they really knew, if they knew the real me, they wouldn't love me. <clears throat> or if they're going to love me, I have to hide who I really am. But a satisfying life is one where you're fully known and fully loved. And the reality is we, we're living in a world where everyone wants to be heard, <laughs> but people don't really want to be seen. Have you noticed that? <clears throat> it doesn't, doesn't help the cause that we, we are constantly you know, in a, in a social media-driven culture where everything is filtered and layered and, 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 and edited. And it's the reality that we want to be heard. We want to have a voice, but we don't want people to see us. I was thinking about this even in my own home over this last year with all of the countless Zoom calls and Google Meets that I've been a part of and, and watching my girls do distance learning and, and online education and, and, I, and I look over their shoulder and I see the computer screen and, and here's the reality that we always see. It's, it's become a commentary on our culture. I see a bunch of blank boxes with just a name or a profile picture. In other words, the camera's off with the microphone's on. And that's the world we live in. Everyone wants to have a say but nobody wants to be seen. The camera's off but the microphone is on. And that's the world that we're living in. And it's because we're just like our parents. I mean, Adam and Eve, when they committed the first sin in the Garden of Eden and they hid from God, the Bible says <clears throat> they started making for themselves uh, coverings out of fig leaves. They were finding some, some easy way to hide their identity because they were ashamed, the Bible says and they feared. <clears throat> but what did God do in that story? Genesis 3 tells us God didn't come and find them and, and drag them out into the street and say, what have you done? Look how ridiculous you look. No, the Bible says God clothed them. He made better garments. He, he clothed them. <clears throat> he loved them. Jesus gave a, a story in the New Testament in Luke chapter 15 that illustrates the heart of God. And we sang about it earlier. He said, God is the good shepherd who leaves the 99 and he goes after the one, the lost sheep. And when he finds that sheep, he throws it over his shoulders and he brings it home and he throws a party and they celebrate because the one who was lost has been found. And oftentimes that love that God gives is unreciprocated. It's certainly undeserved. And you could even say it looks reckless. This reckless love that, that God demonstrated in Romans 5.8 when we were still in our sin, Christ died for us. That's, that's unhuman. It's unnatural. It's supernatural. But God demonstrated that love for us. And John, in 1 John chapter 3, wrote about that love when he said this. <clears throat> See what great love the Father has lavished on us. That we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. Can I just say to you today, friend, if all you've gone through and all you've dealt with has brought you to the end of yourself, you're at a good place. Because the end of yourself is where God can begin. 
And he waits for us to, to come out of our hiding and to come to him. Here's the message I want you to grab today. You can live a life that is unshaken. And you heard a story from a, a player in the NFL who thought he, thought, he had, <coughs> thought he had it all. But still, on the inside, he felt empty. Now I want you to hear from another player who thought he lost it all, but realized he still had something that satisfies. Our final story is from NFL quarterback Carson Wentz. During his five-year NFL career, Carson has experienced the ups and downs of the game. But if you listen to his story, it's clear that his foundation lies somewhere else, in something else. This is Carson's story. Grew up in uh, Bismarck, North Dakota. Was extremely active in sports. That was pretty much my life. Parents got divorced when I was seven. I was a good kid. I stayed out of trouble. You know, we, we went to church. It was kind of just something we did. It's kind of something we checked the boxes, so to speak. And I thought I was right with God because I was a good kid. I listened to what my dad said. I didn't want to get in trouble. Didn't want to miss sports. Kind of all those things, all those factors in my mind made me think I'm good. And then I go to college and at that point it's, okay, you're no longer in your parents' house. It's time to grow up, make your own decisions. I remember one of our first practices, it was a senior quarterback at the time named Dante Perez. He ends up asking me, hey man, you ever read the Bible? It was our first practice. I just got done learning about two jet protection and what the X has on the certain plays and all these things, my head's spinning. And he wants to talk about the Bible and I'm kind of taken back. At the same time though, I was like, here it is, because I knew God was kind of moving. And from that moment on, him and I started talking. He was a mentor to me. We read the entire New Testament and met up, you know, at least once a week and, and talked through the Word. And it just came to life to me. You know, it was really eye-opening to me. I always said I was a believer in Jesus, but I didn't really know what He did for me. You know, I thought it was all about what I could do for Him. And when that kind of mindset was flipped on its head and that it was already done for me and that it was a thing called grace and I could live for Him freely and not out of rules and obligation, it, it just changed my life. We met actually in the country of Haiti, and she was there serving uh, with an organization called Mission of Hope. And this was after my rookie year went down on a mission trip with the, the church that we go to out here in uh, New Jersey. We ended up talking, and I just just to see another woman that, that was truly after God's heart in that moment um, and trying to serve Him the way that uh, I was trying to live as well. About a year and a couple months later, we were married, and now we have a, a daughter who's uh, seven months old now, and, and she is an absolute joy. It's been, uh, it's been quite the journey together so far. We were all on this, on this high as a team. You know, I was um, in the MVP conversation, and our team was, you know, we just clinched the NFC East and all sorts of good things going, and uh, my season was done. And for me, I've, fa I've had a fair share of injuries, but never something like that. Never something where I literally had zero control of my life. I, I couldn't walk. I couldn't get off the couch to go to the bathroom by myself. I couldn't just complete control. I had to be surrendered. Believe me, I wasn't the best patient. I was frustrated. I was crabby. It was a trying time. But to look back at it and to see, you know, we go on to win the Super Bowl. Everyone knows that story. And, and I was not out there. 
and to walk through that. Um, obviously, it was tough at the time, and I still look back and think it was a tough time, but I know God was moving in my life, and He wanted me to know that He loves me so much that my relationship with Him is far more important than winning a Super Bowl, than being on that stage in my uniform, than playing in that game, but ultimately playing for His glory and saying, God, Your will be done, and just how God has had His hand from that moment on um, in my life, and, and I thank Him for it. me, I've always been a guy that, that wants to have control and my selfishness and my want, desire for control has to decrease every moment and it has to just allow God to increase in my life, to try my best to be spirit-led and not Carson-led. Sometimes I just look at my daughter and I kind of laugh because I'm like, she's mine. And the way I love her that I can't even explain or understand, I know doesn't even compare to how much God loves us almost makes me emotional sometimes because I'm just like, this is my daughter, and God, you gave your son to die for, for me. And I'm like, I would never let anything happen to this little girl because she is mine. Like, because of how much he loves me, he was willing to allow his son to go through the agony of dying on that cross. And I think that is when the peace just rushes over me. And I think, all right, God, there's so much more at play than the X's and O's of football and the highs and lows of wins and losses. And that gives me peace. You know, King Solomon spent a lifetime pursuing worldly pleasures, pursuing anything money could buy, anything that could satisfy his heart's desires, uh, the finest foods, cost, uh, pricely jewelry, all those things. And a lot of people have done that, honestly. So that's not the exceptional thing. What makes King Solomon exceptional is that he actually attained all of them. He had everything. And, and he wrote about it in Ecclesiastes Chapter two, verse 10 and 11, here's what he said. He said, I denied myself nothing that my eyes desired. I refused my heart, no pleasure. My heart took delight in all of my labor and this was the reward for all of my toil. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. Now, years later, Jesus would say Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived. What conclusion did he come to? That if you spend your life chasing the wind, you're always gonna end up empty-handed. In other words, you can have a lot of things in your life that you live on and still have nothing in your life to live for. That was the reality that Solomon came to. And, and, and I love Carson's testimony because he realized that if it's all about the trophies, if it's all about the, the contracts, if it's all about the cars and, and the, all the accolades, then, then life is empty. There's gotta be something more to satisfy. And there is something more that you can build your life on. There is something that is unshaken and it's a relationship with Jesus Christ. I, I love that Carson said, I had to be less Carson-led and more Spirit-led. And isn't that the challenge every day, Christians? That we be more Spirit-led and not driven by our own desires. That's the same conclusion that Solomon came to. At the end of his life, with all of his wealth and prosperity, at the end of the book of Ecclesiastes in chapter 12 and verse 13, he says, here is the conclusion of the matter. 
fear God and obey His commands. That's the conclusion of the matter. Can I tell you today, Satan has a strategy for your life. And his strategy is isolation. He, he wants you to build a wall around your heart, or around the real you. And he'll gladly give you the bricks to build it with. And some, for some of us, the bricks are insecurity and shame. Things that you did in your past, he'll bring them back up. Here's another brick. Things that were done to you, he'll give you another brick. Mistakes that you made, he'll give you another brick. Every time you try to step out or be vulnerable or show yourself, he'll give you more bricks and the walls just keep stacking higher. But his purpose is to keep out the one who loves your heart the most. And for some of us, the, the bricks are not shame and they're not insecurity. For some of us, the bricks might be success and self-confidence. And he keeps handing you bricks to cause you to believe the lie. You're a self-made man. You're a self-made woman. You've got, you're doing well. <clears throat> I don't need anybody's help. I don't need a savior. I've done, look what I've accomplished. Brick by brick, the wall builds higher, but the result is the same, isolation. But God has a strategy for your life too. And his strategy is not isolation. His strategy is insulation. The Bible says in Psalm 18, he's close to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. He wants to dismantle the lies of shame of your past. He wants to dismantle the lie of insecurity by spe speaking towards your purpose and towards the plan that he has for you. He wants to dismantle the lie of self-confidence <coughs> and self-centeredness and so many of us can keep our guard up. And, and here's what you need to know about the heart of God today. If you'll come to the place where you'll let him in, he will not expose you. He will not shame you. He'll come to you the same way that he came to Adam and Eve in the garden. He'll come and he'll clothe you. Isaiah said, we are robed in righteousness. That doesn't mean we're great people or that we look righteous to others. It's not your righteousness. It's not my righteousness. In fact, Isaiah also said, our righteousness is like filthy rags. It doesn't measure up. But his righteousness that's imputed on our behalf, he robes us with it and he sees us as acceptable and loved in his sight. And, and I, I just believe the Holy Spirit wants to say to somebody today what Sam's good friend said to him. When you, when you become vulnerable, when you allow your heart to be laid bare before the Lord, his Holy Spirit's gonna say, it's good to see you. It's good to see you. The real, not the Sunday morning, not the plastic smile, not the, Facebook image, not, not the Snapchat filter. It's good to see you, the one I died for, the one I loved, the one I ransomed. It's good to see you. And if you'll open up your heart to him, God wants to insulate you, not just with his presence and not just with the truth of his word. God wants to insulate you with the body of Christ. That's what we're here for. We're called to be a team. It doesn't matter what's, what team you're representing with your jersey today. We're called the body of Christ, the family of God. 
And He wants you to be insulated in the shaking through the church. But it begins with honesty. It begins with being authentic with God. There's a verse that John wrote about Jesus in John chapter 1, verse 12. I want to read this verse and then I want to pray for you. John said, Yet to all who died or who did receive him, Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. That's your part, to believe in his name. Children not born of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. In other words, doesn't matter who your parents are, doesn't matter where you came from, doesn't matter what your background is, if you believe in his name, you have the right to be called children of God. I want to invite you to bow your head with me all over this room. We're going to take a moment and pray. I think sometimes it's helpful to close our eyes because I don't want you to be thinking about anyone else or seeing anyone else in this moment. Would you just for a moment be, be alone in your own head, in your own heart with your heavenly father? He fully knows you and he fully loves you. There's nothing you've kept hidden from him. And Romans 5, 8 tells us that God demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, he's not waiting for you to get it all right so that he can display his love. You're fully known and you're fully loved. If you're here today, your eyes are closed, you're thinking about God's love. If you'd be honest and say, you know, I, I don't have a relationship with God. I, I haven't put my faith, I haven't believed in his name as my savior. But today you want to make that decision. Today you want to be seen. You want to have an authentic and a real encounter with the God of heaven. I want to invite you to just take a step of faith. It's it's that locker room moment of just saying, God, I'm going to be honest here. I'm not okay. I want to be honest here. Everything's not good and you know it but I need to say it I need to acknowledge it if that's you today and you say I need to be honest with God I need to come to God to be fully seen to be fully known and to receive his love would you just raise your hand and say that's me pray for me pastor would you just raise your hand and say pray for me thank you anyone else just say that's me thank you young man thank you just be honest with God today and say I need God's love in my life I need God's grace I need his forgiveness I don't want to I don't want to wear my my fig leaf persona. I don't want to be like my parents and Adam and Eve and just go through the motions of trying to measure up. But you're recognizing today, I know I don't measure up, but Christ in me is enough. If that's you today, I want to ask you to pray this prayer. And church, I want to ask you to rally around those that are responding right now. Pray it out loud with me, everybody. Say, dear God, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. Thank you for taking my shame and clothing me with your righteousness. 
Jesus, I give you my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit so that I can follow you. Give me wisdom from your word. Give me counsel in your church. Jesus, I give you my life. Amen. Now that story about the good shepherd who goes after the lost one, Jesus says that when one person comes to Christ, that all of the angels in heaven celebrates. I think it would be fitting on football Sunday if we joined that celebration. Can we just give God praise today for what he's doing? Amen. Amen. Come on, let's stand all over this room. Let's stand up. I want to go back to this verse that we began with one more time because I want this to be in your heart. I want it to be in your mind as you go through this week. I know we would love to just kind of look back on 2020 in the rearview mirror, but we learned a hard lesson in January that the problems don't disappear with the old calendar. Wouldn't it be great if you could just throw your old problems in the trash can with your 2020 calendar? But they're still here. Life is still shaken. But that's why I love this verse in Psalm 16, verse 8, because it tells us that when the ground beneath us is shaken, we serve a God who cannot be shaken. So I want you to read this verse out loud with me together. Come on, let's, let's read it at a football volume, okay? Here we go. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With Him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Would you just put your hand over your heart? God, I pray today that you make this a people who have a firm foundation. Jesus, you never promised that we would be exempt from problem or trouble or tribulation, but you have given us the promise of your constant presence. You said, I'll be with you always, even to the ends of the earth. So Lord, we know today with you at our right hand, we don't have to be shaken when our world shakes. Thank you for the confidence and the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, our Lord. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Can we just give God praise one more time today?